to understand like they're not separate. And usually we look at them as separate things. Like you got the mental side of the game, and then you have the vis- the physical side of the game. But to me, it, like they're they're both like connected. Hello and welcome back to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast, where we share tips, stories, and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith as we bring you another episode. Today's guest serves as the Director of Peak Performance for the Wright State University baseball team. He works with the coaching staff to develop and implement mental game development plans for individual players, as well as plans to help the coaching staff implement the mental game all season long. He also leads team sessions, position-based sessions, and individual mental game sessions. And his combination of experience, research, education, and innovation with the mental game helps him develop strong players on and off the field. Today we discuss when and how he learned about mental toughness, his unique position, the first of its kind, getting buy-in from the players and coaches, what he and his players have struggled with, how recruiting helps his ability to build mental toughness, and modeling the culture you want. We are so excited to share the baseball perspective that's pretty much identical of Diamond Hall. Welcome, Diamond. Hey, hey. Glad to be here. Hey, welcome, Coach. We're really um, happy that you're here to join us, and it will definitely be uh, a great perspective, um, some a perspective we have not had yet on our show, so we're really excited to talk to you. So. I'm excited, we'll ju- too. We'll jump right in. Um, first of all, when and how did you learn about mental toughness? Um, the first time I came across mental toughness was probably in high school. When I, so a little bit of backstory. Um, I played football in high school and then had a neck injury that was like a career ending thing. And then um, after that, uh, I got into baseball and then I realized that, like, you know, everything is about the mental side of the game. Like literally, that's the key to consistency. So my bookshelf started growing, started reading a ton of different books. And I think the first book that I came across was um, was Heads Up Baseball. Have You guys read that book? Yes, we have. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. Can't wait to get to. I haven't gotten it yet. No. So it was the. Um, that was the first book that I came across, and then that kind of changed the game for me. So from there, it just, I mean, the bookshelf just started growing, and I kind of started preparing myself for this career, like, while I was playing. So um, throughout my career, I got to, like, teach it. I got to train other guys on it, and, and it just became into something that I knew I wanted to do after I got done playing. So uh, once my career came to an end, you know, me and me and Mercer connected, uh, and, and we, we ended up doing something that's never been done before in baseball, college baseball, so. For those who don't know what hasn't been done before, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with them. Um, so last year was the first time in college baseball history that um, that a team brought on a full-time like middle game development coordinator. We kind of created that position because we understand how important, uh, well, Mercer understood how important the mental side of the game was. And um, he had known me for a while and, and he kind of recruited me while he was at Western Kentucky. So um, so we, we went ahead and developed that position and we executed it pretty well. So. Um, and this year, uh, the role has actually changed a little bit. I'm, at, I'm the director of peak performance now to where I'm more so of a, uh, a managerial type role to where, you know, I'm kind of handing the blueprint over to the coaching staff and allowing them to, uh, to take things into their own hands. And I can kind of build my business on the side as well, because eventually um, the, the goal is to um, be able to develop a, a strong system for, for baseball players and um you know, an online system that they'll be able to kind of get all the resources they need when, when it comes to the mental side of the game. Absolutely. We get that. (laughs) How do you feel that, um, how do you feel being the first in college baseball? Um, it was, it was bittersweet to be honest with you, because 
<laughs> you know, for me, it was it was it was awesome. Like, oh, I get to be the first first guy to do this. But at the same time, you know, looking at the game, and um, I mean, you guys know, like, this is something that that we probably can all agree that we believe that this should be uh, uh, implemented everywhere and every single program and every single player should be focused on it on a consistent basis. But so it was kind of so from that standpoint, it was kind of like bittersweet. It was awesome that. I was able to do that, but at the same time, it, looking at the at the game as a whole, it's like this should be being done everywhere. Like I shouldn't like it's 2018. This shouldn't be the first time this is being done, you know. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a it was kind of looking at it from those two perspectives. It was it was pretty um, it's pretty bittersweet. How do how have your players reacted um, to to this? Not only because it's the first, but it's got to be new for them too. So how how did they react to it? So before I before I came on staff, they were um, they were already introduced to the mental side of the game through through Love Lady, who's at UCF, and then Mercer did a good job of implementing it before. But I think it had gotten to the point where it was like, you know, we want to be able to focus on like full development, and so in order to do that, we have to have somebody that that actually understands this to a T and understands the game of baseball to a T to be able to deliver this to the guys. So. Uh, they, they, I mean, to be honest with you, they bought in from the, um, from the beginning. And that was one of the things that I'd kind of tackled as soon as I was brought on staff. Like I immediately reached out to every single player, started building those relationships with them, getting to know what they did before with the mental side of the game. And then, uh, kind of went from there to be honest with you. So with that, with the players you've been working with, it's awesome that they bought in right away. What tips would you give other coaches, other programs, anyone starting to implement this with a team to help get that buy-in? I think um, it starts with, it starts with the coach buying in first, because if, if there are coaches on the coaching staff that are kind of like, uh, like, is this important? Or they're kind of like halfway in and halfway out, then that is the number one thing that, that needs to be, um, it needs to be addressed because if everybody's not on board, then you can't create the culture that you want to create. Totally agree with that. And we've, actually discovered that with people we've worked with too when we're coaching people we're working with it's so important and it's not that they don't want to understand it's just a lot of times people are so busy and in their own worlds and dealing with so much stuff it's like ah someone else can deal with the mental side when really no everything is the mental side yeah seriously and i think also we've come up against uh, it feels like another thing to do that i don't have time to do that's yep. definitely something we've heard many many times yep and and with that to be honest the approach i've kind of taken uh <laughs> with that is i mean i i like to confront i like to confront uh coaches especially in 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 baseball like if if you are saying continuously that the mental side of the game is important but then when it comes down to it you you, you say that um that like oh there's no time i don't have any time and that to me I looked at that as like an excuse. That's an excuse. That means you know it's important, but you're not willing to make time because, you know, everything comes down to priorities. And if it's not a priority at the top of the list, then that's when those those kind of things come into place. I mean, I really strongly think that what we're doing, like we have to start confronting, (laughs) confronting a little bit more, you know. So that's kind of the approach I've taken. And it's pretty it's, it's worked pretty well. Yeah, I, I definitely got to the point where I, I was I started sacrificing practice time, right, to get this done because it was so important. Yeah. To make sure that this focus and and without the focus on the mental game, you know, the 
the drills that you're doing in practice um, aren't going to make your player any, any mentally tougher. It's the mental side that you have to work in implementing into those drills. So if you need to take time, 15, 20 minutes, half hour out of your practice time in order to focus on this, you, the return on investment in something like that is, is so high, so high. Absolutely. I think you hit on it a ton right there. Like being yeah. able to implement it into your training and then understanding the return of investment that's going to come on the back end. That's you hit the nail on the head right, right there. Right. And then, you know, you're not, you're not actually sacrificing that much on the field time. Right. So I still believe there's some either a classroom time or 15 minute discussion that has to happen. It's been, it's worked really well with my players, but it's that continuous part. That's the implementation piece. That's really difficult. I think sometimes, um, to be implemented if you're not quite sure how to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's, um, that's what it usually comes down to is like kind of being able to dig, 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 and then finally getting to that question of, okay, how can I implement this on a consistent basis? That's usually the number one question um, right. that I usually hear from most coaches is like, how can I implement this? I know it's important, but how can I implement it? Right. So I want to go back um to one on the first question, you said you picked up that book, right? Um, yeah. Headfoot Baseball. What what prior to picking up that book and reading that book did you struggle with as a player? I think uh, it was a transition from like the football mentality to the to the baseball mentality. And you guys know, I mean, softball and baseball are very much the same. Like in order to be as consistent as possible, I think that's kind of the name of the game is consistency. Um, it comes down to being like you know calm loose, relaxed as much as possible. And that was one of the things that I kind of struggled with, I guess, because with football, it was more so like you, you didn't have to like that. Those weren't those weren't like. Um, like I, I didn't need those to be be successful. Like you could you could get upset, you could get angry and then you can like use it to your advantage, like the very next, you know, the very next play. But in baseball and softball, it's like we have so much time in between, like at bat to at bat. Um, that, that, that has to be a, a focus and being able to be mindful of the things that, um, allow you to be successful. And usually it comes down to, to those few things like being calm, loose and relaxed. So that was, that was probably the biggest thing for me that, I, that, um, that really stuck out to me. And from there, um, it kind of just branched off into a bunch of leadership books, into a bunch of, uh, high performance, high performance books, mental toughness books, sports psychology books peak performance. I mean, everything you can think of. So that's where it started though. Our bookshelves probably look very similar. I know Mel and I both have a huge collection of those type of books as well. Absolutely. So what have your players kind of struggled with the ones that you've worked with? I would say, <laughs> I would say it's the same thing because, uh, and that's what, that's where I think kind of some of that buying came from, uh, last year is because they kind of, uh, the recruiting, the recruiting model that we had that Mercer implemented was he he, he recruited guys who were like football players and, and wrestlers and um, like really high intensity guys. So they they were, um, I mean, the improvements that needed to be made were very very similar to the improvements that I needed to make. You know, making that transition from football to baseball. So I kind of I kind of had already experienced the the exact things that they were. Uh, that was the main point of improvement for us. So I was able to really like just, just give them the tools to the toolbox when it came to those things. That is so helpful that you went through literally the exact same things these guys are going through. So I think that's a huge bonus and something that we really wanted to focus on too, is making sure that 
we know the ins and outs of our sport because each sport has its own intricacies that are a little bit different. Um, so it's really cool that you saw the differences and were able to transition to help these guys. Um, to kind of go on a different tangent, I was very uh, interested to hear uh, you talk about recruiting. We really haven't dug into this much, but I would like to. What's uh, with a coach like yours who is very aware of the mental game and knows that he's looking for, how do you think that helped him in his recruiting, which then helped you be able to coach these guys on the mental side? I think it helped a ton because, and, and this just goes to, you know, giving him credence of how, how much of a genius Mercer is. And he's at Indiana university. Now he's not, he's not a right set anymore, but um, he, he understood that recruiting, like his recruiting model and the type of guys that he was looking for. And then he kind of already knew like what their weaknesses were going to be. And one of those weaknesses was, you know, the things that we had already talked about. So that's, I mean, that, that was a part of his strategic plan was to bring in somebody like myself. So he, I mean, he had kind of already played chess with it. So um, I think from a recruiting standpoint though, I think it's, it's a matter of understanding like um, exactly who you're recruiting and exactly what they're going to need throughout the development process, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. You also want to recruit the type of players that fit your culture, right? Because we've talked yes. a lot about that as well and yes. how critical the culture is actually to the mental part and the mental strengths and, and the mental training that you're going to do. Absolutely. Culture. And you guys, you guys hit the nail on the head, even in the webinar I was watching the other night, like the, the, the culture is everything. I mean, mm -hmm. it is everything. So yeah, you're, you're 100% right there. And I think that's, you know, that's a buzzword right here a lot in sports. And I think that trying to really understand not just what it means, but it's the action, right? Because I hear, I hear us all the time about, oh, we have a sign up in our, in our locker room or in the dugout. And that's our culture. And that's our beliefs. And, and that's great. But I'm all about the action, right? It's the action that's important. You got to live that too every single day. And I think that's too, with that strong foundation, like you talked about that, that we firmly believe is, is the absolute critical part, because if you don't have a strong culture, it's really hard to build confidence. Right. Absolutely. I think the, the ability to like, especially as, as coaches, the ability to, to live the things that, that you, that you do put on the wall, to be the ability to live the things that you do preach on a consistent basis. I think mm -hmm. that's what eventually, you know, creates that culture. It kind of starts from the, from the top and trickles down, you know, through the players and through the assistant coaches and um, so, yeah, that's the, and that's one of the biggest things that, that I learned from from Mercer last year was that everything that we always talked about when it came to, I mean, anything like he he lived it and you could mm -hmm. see it through his actions on a consistent basis. So everybody else followed. What are some ways that you and the other coaches helped the players live that culture every day? And then from there, how did you help them build the mental strengths strength to live within that culture? To answer to answer the first question, I think um, the the number one way is probably just embodying what we wanted. To be honest, that that's that's the that's the number one thing is really just everything that we wanted them to do. We made sure we did it first. We made sure we modeled it because, especially at the at the college level, like guys are going to look up to you as as a coaching staff how it works so in order to create that buy in order to create that culture it really started with the staff so what are some ways that 
stuck out in your mind as really good examples of you guys really being an example of that culture and living it every day? I think the, um, so the, the few things that come to my mind are, are composure, composure in, in different situations. Um, that's, that was probably the number one thing because that's one thing that we preached, uh, that we preached a lot. And, you know, in order to be able to actually, you know, create that buy-in, we had to have composure in the situations that we wanted them to have composure in. So during games, like if, if, if it's a super pressure situation, super high pressure situation, like we're not over there sitting like biting our nails or like doing things differently where we're staying exactly how we would if the game was not on the line. So making sure we were staying level at all times. And then, you know, the, from there, like the, the captains on the team, they would do the same thing from there. You know, the people who watch the captains, like they would do the same thing. It trickled all the way down to the freshmen. So, I think that was probably the number one thing was, you know, was composure. And then the second thing would be confidence. We, you know, we embodied confidence with everything that we did and everything that we taught. And um, I think the third thing was probably, you know, being, being open-minded throughout the whole, uh, throughout the whole season. And again, I think it really starts, I think, you know, being able to to watch and, and to be there every single day, being able to watch how a culture is really created it really strongly does come from the coaching staff. And I think sometimes we, we miss that. And there are a lot of times where we, we like to preach composure. Like you got to be composed in this situation, but it's funny because I hear people like hear some coaches like yell at their players, telling them they need to be composed, but they're like <laughs> contradicting themselves at that moment. You know, yes, so exactly. it's like, you need to stay composed, but it's like, well, now you're not, so now they're confused, you know? So <laughs> I think really being conscious and aware of that, and aware of those things like really, really helps more than anything. I, I think you're so right. You really have to kind of model everything, right? That you are. And Lord knows we're not perfect. We're not perfect. But I, I think that that's really important that they have someone to look up to in demonstrating those things because it's, it's subconscious sometimes, I think, right? When Absolutely. they kind of see that being demonstrated. Absolutely. It's definitely subconscious. It's kind of like if you, <laughs> if, if, if there's like a high pressure situation and like you're on one end of the dugout and your players are all the way at the other end and then something bad happens and then like you like kind of throw your clipboard or whatever it may be like the right. guys that are all the guys or the ladies that are all the way on the other side of the dugout like they're going to see it and they won't mm-hmm. know like what they're seeing they won't know that like oh like what what's going on but like they're going to probably embody the same thing and the, the next time that situation comes up like they're gonna they're gonna lose control of their emotions simply because they saw their leader do the same thing so exactly. i think that and uh, i think that's that's a big piece and i know we were talking earlier about um about john gordon and leadership but oh man like he's he, he's awesome when it comes to, to learning about you know learning about leadership and those kind of things too oh yeah he has some great great books great concepts read many of them uh my team has read uh, many of his books too. He's great. Yeah. Oh, and positivity too. I meant to say that earlier. Positivity is mm. huge. Positivity is huge um, in every situation. Now there are times that that you know you want to um, be able to look at the negative stuff and do it kind of strategically, but positivity is also huge. All the way down from coach to player, player to player, and even player to coach. But I think. I think that also is really has to be a part of the culture, right? That positivity between especially players. Until a lot of coaches don't, until that's kind of brought up, they may not even realize or recognize that they're not being as positive as they think they are. Yeah. So what are, 
what are some of the things that you do to teach or implement mental toughness with, with your team? Um, we, we, we did it a ton of different ways. Last year I was there every single day. This year has been more so of, um, of on a, like, like a week to week basis simply because, you know, our coach is awesome and he's allowing me to, to build a structure of my own business and, and everything. So, um, but last year, I mean, I was there every single day. And, and I think the biggest part when it came to implementing it was the, the on-field teaching points, like during practice, during games. And usually we look at the mental side of the game. We kind of try to separate it. It's like, oh, yeah, we need to, we need to do, uh, you know, when you have, you need to have a classroom session here and then classroom session here, and then that's it. And then we don't talk about the mental game anymore. Now, what we did was um, when I came up with this plan, um, I did some, you know, some in, in locker room stuff where we had the whiteboard. I put on presentations and those kind of things. But those were more so like the like the learning, the concepts and then how you're going to apply it. And then from there, like on the field, like I'm watching guys consistently. And then once something happens, you know, uh, I make sure I point it out and use it as a teaching point because like. In practice, teaching points, I think, are the best for, for, for players to be able to learn and, and be able to be pointed out to like, OK, so here's a situation where like the other day when we were talking about, you know, making sure we can stay relaxed and calm in these situations. This is the situation I'm talking about right here. So next time it's this, this and this, you know, being able to really, really have those conversations like throughout practice and even throughout games. And most people will say like, oh, you don't want to you don't want to like once the season comes around, like you don't want to focus on the middle side of the game anymore and to me that's that's like a huge it's like a huge myth and i think that was one of the things to where we were able to actually make huge strides because once we were in high pressure situations and then guys like succeeded or not like they were still used as teaching points whether it was during the game or after the game but it, that learning environment that open-mindedness uh, environment was i think that was huge oh we could not agree more and we we talked a lot before we even implemented any of this. We implemented with Alicia's team first about how we had implemented in the past and what had and had not worked. And that was a big thing for us because um, I had this degree and I made these C's and I felt really good about it. And then I realized, uh, wait, I stopped implementing it before season even started. <laughs> like, yeah. no, that doesn't work. And then was surprised when things fell apart at the end of the season. So that was one of the major ahas that we realized. And then what you're talking about with your system, you got to have something in place beforehand because it is so easy to let slip. Yes, it's super easy to let slip. And I think that's that's where, you know, you guys have done an awesome job. It seems like like being able to develop a system like that. That's when I saw it. I was like, oh, it, it like it like uh, <laughs> it fired me up because just to be able to see that, like it's it's awesome. And with what? With what we did, I think it was the system that 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 changed everything and being able to strategically plan out like, okay, this is how this is gonna go week one, week two, week three, week four. This is what I'm gonna be looking for here, there. And I mean, I really like I mean, I'd spent all my time, like that was my role. So um I literally spent all my time trying to come up with different ideas on how I was gonna be able to teach this, teach this, to where it, not necessarily it wasn't it wasn't boring, but it was more so um it was more so like baseball specific. And I think the more you can like tie it into like, Hey, this is the game of softball. Hey, this is the game of baseball. Like this is the game. Um, the easier it is for, for players to buy in because sometimes I see um, even a lot of different coaches who are, who are teaching this stuff. It's like, um, 
And like, how do you create the buy-in that you create? And to be honest with you, it comes down to being able to to understand like they're not separate. And usually we look at them as separate things. Like you got the mental side of the game and then you have the, vis- the physical side of the game. But to me, it, like they're, they're both like connected. Like you need your mind because it's going to control your body. And sometimes your body can control your mind. Like they work together. So um, once you can get to that point, it's like now the players, it clicks with them like way, way easier, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that was our kind of our aha moment, right? Is that we, we knew it, we've, we've worked on it, we've implemented it. And the thing sometimes it slips is once you get into the season and you're playing six games, eight games a week, it's like you feel like you don't have time. But if it's yeah. really embedded with the system and everything that you do, right, it makes it, it literally becomes a part of everyday discussion. That's yes. when you see. And sometimes it takes, and we talk a lot about this, you need patience, right? It's not a, can't, well, in one week, they haven't done anything better. Well, it takes time and the seeds are, the seeds are planted, but that's really um, the struggle sometimes is is with, as a coach is just being patient enough. Absolutely. Just like we, just like we tell our players, we got to do the same thing, especially with this, because when you look at it as a whole, like we know that this is like to us, this stuff isn't new, but to the players, it is brand new. So the patience definitely plays a role. I agree with you 100%. And I think like even being able to to use like the like in-game situations as teaching points, like that could be like all you do throughout the course of the season. Like you don't even need to have like classrooms just like if if you're just using the different situations, looking for different things to 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 say, "Hey, here's a good teaching point for this." Mm-hmm. And then you bring it up. Like that's that's perfect. That's probably the best way to go about it because it's still fresh in their minds during and after games. Yeah. And we've used a lot of the classroom sessions just for that introductory sometimes. But if you have an experienced team that has gone through, you know, the system before the introductory piece isn't as big or time consuming and it's more about the implementation next. But there's like you mentioned, right, the players, it's all new to them. If they've never, ever even understood that they're talking negatively in their heads to themselves. Mm. You know, that's a realization I've heard from a lot of players, even even in high school. Oh, I didn't even realize that was actually happening. Yeah. And that's and that's probably that's my favorite part. And I'm sure this is you guys' favorite part, too. When you're able to, like, get the players to have that aha moment, like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. But now they're aware of it so they can they can change it from now on. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Do you feel like that any well, I know you've already touched on a lot of things, but do you think do you think there's anything else that's missing when it comes to teaching the mental part of the game? I think that um, the the number one thing, I wouldn't say it's necessarily missing, but it's kind of overlooked is, and, and I know Mel was saying you guys read like uh, Russell Brunson's like expert, expert secrets. Um, I think the techno babble part stuck out to me the most. And that's one thing that, um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like, you know, using like a ton of big words and like using big, big concepts. And and the the best way to, to teach this stuff is like to try to simplify everything and make it as relatable as possible um, so that they can, so that players can like, like, oh, that makes a ton of sense, like right away. I think that is the number one thing that, that, um, that we can typically do because we know a ton about this stuff. We know a ton about it and we want to give everything to them 
at once and we want to give them every like all the terms and all the concepts but sometimes it's just a matter of like simplifying as much as you possibly can um so they can like take it in and then go from there if that makes sense because they see things out of a completely different lens than we do um so when it comes to the mental side of the game i think it's a matter of like really being able to say okay this is what this is what we need and since this is what our team needs now this is what we're going to focus on now um usually we have our own our own things that we know like for us like oh this was when i play like this was the best thing that worked for me this was the best thing that worked here i know you need this you need this you need this but i think it's a matter of being able to figure out what exactly they what exactly they're struggling with the most and then like how to deliver it to them in the like the simplest way possible and i think <laughs> you guys know this too through reading that book like stories are the best way to go when it comes to you know even being able to create buy-in but I, I look at things like from a huge strategical standpoint when it comes to this stuff because i know that buy-in is huge and in order to create buy-in with something like this like those kind of things like matter a lot so i guess the number one thing is probably being able to to shorten like shorten the book and simplify the book if that makes sense because usually we want to give them like the whole book we want to give them everything but and we want to give them like like all the terms all the concepts like this 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 and this and since it is new to them i think it's like you got to simplify it as much as possible you got to shorten the book as much as possible you got to come up with with concepts that stick yeah totally agree because i think we are all going to naturally complicate things once it gets into our heads. <laughs> yes. We're all going to translate things based on our own experiences. That's going to happen no matter what. So let that happen by keeping it simple. And then you can sift through it together. Yeah. Thank you so much, Diamond, for you know doing this with us. And it's great to meet you, at least virtually. But love to meet you in person one day. I think what you're doing is awesome, too. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I'm sure I'm sure we'll definitely cross paths. It's been awesome, guys. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Same. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. And that's a wrap on the episode. If you'd like to file Diamond, he can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Diamond Hall. D-I-A-M-Y-N-H-A-L-L. Give him a shout out and tell him what you got from this episode today. If you're really committed to coaching the mental game, try this week's challenge. Inspired by Diamond and his goal for having coaches model this behavior, your challenge is to lead by example. Spring season is quickly getting started, so it's time to start putting those great ideas for building a tougher team into action. Even if you don't have a plan in place or all the material you want to cover for the mental game, there's always one thing you can do for your players. Model what you want. Think of two to three of the most important characteristics you want your team to embody this year. Fearless, confident, Able to bounce back from failure, in control of their emotions. Now look at yourself in the mirror, then your coaching staff. Once you decide what you want your team to do, you have to be 100% committed to having the same characteristics yourself. So where do you stand on those right now? That is your challenge. It won't always be easy, especially when it comes to game time, when the emotions are high, and when it comes down to it, we honestly have very little control over the outcome, and that kills most coaches. So you have to be sure to keep your emotions and focus and behaviors in check too. If you find it difficult sometimes to model mental toughness perfectly, or your players are still struggling with their mental game despite all the helpful lessons you're trying to teach them, reach out to us on a personal message in Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we can set up a phone call to give you some strategies for helping your players grow, even if it's mid-season. 
If you want a proven system that's done for you, consider our Dream Team Blueprint. When this airs, many teams have already begun their season, so it might not be ideal to begin a full mental training program right now, but keep ours in mind for the future. We designed it specifically for softball coaches so you can teach all of the most important mental skills and create a team atmosphere that's more like a family, all in a fun, actionable way that can fit right into your practice plan. For more info on all these options, reach out on social media or head to mentalspeedspot.com forward slash dream team. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope to see you again next week. Have a good one.